from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interweb? CSG Podcast is back, making his way all the way down here from Fort. We've got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What is up, everybody? And we actually are high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. We are. We're in the Pepsi Center at the Peak Pub House with Nuggets, president of basketball operations, Tim Conley. What's up, guys? It's been a minute. Thanks for having me, as always. It has been. Uh, We miss our annual conversations here, and uh, it's nice to have you on again. Uh, We were... uh, uh, hoping that uh, to you know we break some exclusive news and all this stuff, but uh, you know we decided that this will be the usual podcast <laughs> with nonsense. <laughs> we're trying since it's Philadelphia. We're trying to get Wilson Chandler to join yeah. as well, but he's missing action from this. Or oh, that'd be cool. For, that'd be great. It, you know, Wilson was on the podcast uh, what like April of 2013, mm-hmm. and uh, Nate. Uh, quoted rap lyrics to him, I believe that was saying no saying oh that's right you did <laughs> five of them he guessed four out of five oh really it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> no, Wilson is <laughs> really knows it. music not just rap he's just a really bright guy in regards to music and pop culture he's, he's all over it does he still talk to some of those former players that they come into town yeah I talk to him not just I mean Wilson and I stay up uh, all the time um, you know he's got great great uh, family we talk about the kids talk about music talk about documentaries um, he, he's just a really fascinating guy um, just. You know, it's a, a professional relationship. If it ends in your own city, doesn't mean the friendships don't last. It kind of stinks. I mean, I was a big Chandler fan, and to see the team doing so well this season and not have him as a part of it is a little bittersweet for myself, a little selfish. But mm-hmm. this, you know, he ended up in a great place, and he's playing really well for one of the best teams in Eastern Conference. Yeah. So it's, it's. Um, and I, I think he's been really impactful. I had a huge defensive play the other day. So um, it, it's always good when when guys move on. You see, they have individual and team success. Well, no, Wilson was. Uh, you know, we're, I'm speaking about him like he's dead, but he's he's just not playing tonight. But he was uh, like one of my favorite people to cover in the NBA because he was so deep. He had more Wilson's things going on than just basketball. You know, a great guy. Yeah, multifaceted. Can have conversations about a, a million different topics, and and a guy that I really enjoyed to get to know in Denver, and yeah. uh, you know, st- still a guy I'm pretty close with. Um, go ahead. I was just gonna say, man, this team just from from watching these guys this year, it's so fun to watch and. Going back to years past, you know, when I watched Jokic at Summer League, his first couple of games, and seeing where he is now and where this team is heading now, like you just see this maturity level. And the thing I've, I've kind of noticed with Jokic is it seemed like, I think I was watching it, I, was, I remember a game against the Kings when he was playing against Marvin Bagley, and he's just kind of able to do whatever he wants against him. And you kind of see that evolution of his game where he's now – Using the tricks of the trade, as Chauncey Billups always used to say in Denver, you know, and you see the maturity in these guys' games starting to grow, especially with Jokic, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think every every year he tries to add something to his game. He has a, really works hard in the offseason. Um, you know, has a great regimen back in Serbia and certainly when he's in uh, the States with our, our coaches do a fantastic job. But I think he's starting to, um, the last year or so, realize um, how much he has at disposal. And he's, he's able to more, you know, effectively attack guys with the whole bag of tricks that he has in his game. So it's it's fun to watch his maturation, and certainly as he goes, the team goes, and he's played great thus uh, thus far this season. I used to kind of have this, maybe it's a dumb theory of mine, but like when the guy first comes into the league, you know, he just got done playing college ball or high school ball or overseas or wherever against 
maybe guys that are around his age or whatever the case. And it seems like when they come to the NBA, some guys have success right away. You're seeing Luka Doncic playing very well with the mm-hmm. Mavericks. And then, you know, some guys just come along a little bit. But that trick of the trade and, you know, gaining NBA experience, there's no real substitute for that, right? I mean, these guys have to be in the league to get where they are. Yeah, you almost have to fail to succeed. You have to have a, you know, the NBA is intimidating. Um, talking to Nicole his first year here and at the conclusion of the season, we talked about how big a jump it was and how talented the guys were he was facing every night. But um, you don't want to make too big a deal of it or you, you become intimidated. You kind of, um, you know, it, it can slow you down and your analysis can be a bit too much and then you're not playing basketball. So I think you have to have a really healthy respect for it. But as you appreciate it, still just basketball, I think it helps. And certainly I think Nicole has gone through that whole evolution. Uh, it's it's amazing to watch how just in the time that you have uh, been in Denver. I was uh, before we got on the podcast. I listened to the first podcast we did with you back in 2013, and still I, waiting for that check. I, I know. I promised the per diem is yeah, pretty low. Free, didn't get one free beer. <laughs> Whenever you did it at Andy's restaurant, <laughs> the per diem is pretty low, and as are the expectations for you don't know, believe anything Jeff. You should podcast. see this this uh, <laughs> setup we have right now. Jeff's got a flip flown on the table. <laughs> Where I'm from, they call it a burner phone. A burner phone. Uh, I've got I've got this flip phone, and and like people are like, "Dude, what are you doing?" And I'm like, "Look, I'm I'm in my 40s now, and I decided is it to the, embrace." Is it like ironic, yeah. flip, like hipster flip phone, or is it just like the real flip phone? I, I I've decided like, no, it's the real thing. Yeah. It's a real deal. So like you have to hit a, a three times to get B. Oh yeah. In. No, when I'm texting you or <laughs> something like that, it, if it takes an hour, it's because I'm pressing the buttons. <laughs> no, like the was that T nine? Is that the texting? No, the T nine thing where it interprets it wrong and yeah, you get like. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start ones. texting you really long involved questions. <laughs> so you Jeff, answer, could you know. please to, Jeff, please explain global warming? <laughs> now this is an evolution since yeah. the last time we yeah. since uh, we. We podcasted the first time, and I was I was thinking about just the your time in Denver has just evolved so much since we did our first podcast. With, excuse me, first podcast with you in uh, I believe November of 2013. Wow, that's crazy! And when you think about that, and you think about look back on that, and you look back to now, what do you think about your own evolution? You know, as a person or anything like that. I mean, certainly personally, it's been the best years of my life. You know. Got married, uh, great wife, I have two beautiful, you know, crazy kids. Um, so there's nothing I can really, you know, compare to that period. Um, it's been fun to watch the city grow. Mm-hmm. It's I think uh, we got here at a, a pretty neat time. Um, there was a couple, uh, certainly a couple law changes that <laughs> greatly impacted yes the state and city. <laughs> yeah, and with that brought a, a whole slew of. Tech and creative people here. That yes. shockingly, yeah. hmm. let's um, go to let's go to Denver. <laughs> uh, so it's been fun to see. Um, certainly, uh, I mean, this is again. I, I took the job. I think what in June. Mm-hmm. I think it's right. I got married in August. Uh, a couple years later, we have our, our first kid, and then about ten months later, we have another kid. Uh, so, the, you know, we feel like real Denverites now. It's. Mm-hmm. I think I know it, most every nook and cranny of, of this city is. You guys know pretty well. Um, uh, we're always out and about trying to find a cool restaurant or a bar mm-hmm. or exploring. So it's neat to kind of get to know uh, this community and, and no longer feel like an outsider. So it's been fantastic. Um, it's been really enjoyable to watch the growth of our team, mm-hmm. the growth of a, a lot of my colleagues. Um, so it's been nothing but positive, and, and it's um, it's pretty wild. It's been six years, but um, I can't say enough about the six years. Well, and then the front office has largely been consistent, too. I mean, you have been fortunate enough to really have the same principal people the entire journey you've had through the through the nuggets too yeah you know we've lost some really good guys mm-hmm. uh, but for for greener pastures um 
you know, uh, Jared Jeffries left for a really neat opportunity in gaming. Um, I joked at the time. I said, I, I haven't even seen you play Madden. <laughs> but now you're gonna. <laughs> and, you know, I look back two years later, and he's, he's one of the, the real movers and shakers in that industry. When he was out here last time, I asked him about it, and I, I was like, wow. He's doing that, a great job. That it's, you are really hitting the market here because that's, that's not something I would have even pondered. You, you know, know, it's a great example. If, if, if you're a hard worker and you got people skills, yeah, you, yeah. you know, it kind of translates, and he certainly has, has those two things in abundance. I did a great uh, story on him in Washington Post a couple weeks ago. I was so proud mm-hmm. of him. Um, you know, Chuck Hayes well, went to Houston. Great opportunity. Uh, his family was always rooted there. And, you know, yep. he's a rocket, so that was cool. So um, we've worked with some really good guys, lost some really good guys, uh, but it's um, largely we've had a, a strong core of guys, and it's fun to – call those guys colleagues and see um, how much they've grown and how much um, you know, they've affected the success we're having now. It's, it's, we're here because of everyone in the building. Mm-hmm. Is there anything from when you first took over, when you first came here, it was your first time being a GM, is there anything that you look back at now and you kind of laugh like, oh man, I was so nervous about that or I didn't know how that would work? And I don't think I was ever really nervous. I think some of the things that I was, you're probably not ready for until you do it is, um, is you know, you're the final say on everything. And, you know, there's – we're very much, um, you know, a, a group conversation. Let's challenge each other loudly, and then the door opens, and there's a decision to be made. And I've, you know, been a, a various chairs in, in NBA front offices. And at times, certainly, um, you feel differently than the decisions made, right? But you have to respect it and move on. So I think that's the one thing – and it's not so much the basketball thing, but there's so many decisions you make on a daily basis – that you're not really prepared for <laughs> until you're in the seat and, and things that you never thought about, whether it be medical or whether it be some issue with the press. But in those instances, I've been so fortunate because the people that we have um, collectively work for us are always so smart. They're always saving me from making big mistakes. But, you know, when you think about being a GM, you think about drafts, trades, free agent signings, interaction with players and coaches, and some of the things in between the margins kind of catch you off guard. And some of those decisions can be as, as impactful as, you know, a player acquisition. Yeah. Would you have going back to your time when you know with the uh, the, the Wizards or uh, Bullets or like when you started in the NBA and you went on this journey? Did you ever really think that you would be in a position you are now? Did you consciously think about that? No, uh, I think I've told you guys I don't know, on the podcast over beers that uh, my goal was never to be a general manager or whatever I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to be a lead scout, you know, yeah. director of player personnel, director of scouting. I, I was always in- intrigued by the guy that, you know, kind of go out on the road, find guys, cultivate relationships, and hopefully that guy helps the parent team. So um, it, it was all relationship-based. I was unbelievably fortunate to, um, you know, ha- have a handful of relationships that allowed me to get here. But it, it was never a goal. I was not – like when I wrote that letter to uh, Chuck Douglas of the Washington Bullets to get an internship, it was not I want to be a GM one day. As, I just want to watch players. I want to help any way I can. So um, – yeah, it's still it's kind of surreal that I'm here, because um, and I talk to a, a lot of really bright young guys and girls who are trying to make their way in the profession, and I tell them that all the time. So, you know, it's great to have kind of ultimate goals, but it, you can't skip steps and you can't lose yourself in the process because really the the journey it sounds cheesy is way more enjoyable um, if you allow it to be than if you're just so laser focused on the end game. I always think of that scene in uh, Blue Chips when they go when they take Nick Nolte to see Shaquille O'Neal, you know, and they're jumping over. What was his, what was Shaq's name? Remember? What was his name? Oh my God! What was his name? I have not seen that movie for years. I want to say like Adebayo. I can't remember. No. What is it? What was it? 
I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's a great name. It's a great name too. I was hoping you guys would know it. I can't remember. I mean, I, I can I can see. I can hear Nick Nolte saying it. I can see the small gym, and yeah. but I, I, you know, I, I can't. It's um, it was a great name. It was a good yeah. name. Jeff, see, look it up on your uh, flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll just uh, give me a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> I know our uh, our buddy. Uh, I know this name too is going to drive me nuts. We've got like computers here, Nate. I, I, I'll get it. I'm not, it's going to the minute the minute we get it, we're all going to say that's it. And we're all going to look. What was his name? All right, I got it. It is. Um, oh, I knew that. Neon Budo. Okay, Neon yeah, Budeau. that's right. Uh, <laughs> a nice Bayou name. Yeah, great name. Yeah. Huh? Uh, Neon Budo. Neon Budo. Yeah. Well, he's you know went to New Orleans. Yeah, right. he's good. Um, he's a good player. Seeing that little court, that's right. Seeing that, like you know, that Nick Nolte crawling through the mud and the muck to get to that gym to see him play. Mm-hmm. That's something that our colleague and friend Andrew Feinstein always talked about. He's like, you know, if, if you have a guy like Phil Jackson as your GM, he's not going to be you know going down to find Neon Badeau. You know, you got to have. <laughs> and I know, like Tim, you, you've always talked about that's getting such to travel, an Andyism. But getting to travel and go to these different gyms, are you still able to do that as well? Like, you're still able to be a scout. Yep, absolutely. I always um, I got great advice um, from from a good buddy. You know, never be the guy in the room that doesn't know um, the players that everyone's talking about. Uh, so I don't do it as much as I, I like. Like I really miss going to their twenties and their eighteen European events, but they conflict with summer league and free agency. Um, so I, I don't feel as learned in the European market as I did when, for you know twelve, thirteen straight years to see these guys under seventeens, under eighteens, under twenties, occasionally under nineteen world championships. Uh, so I miss that, but um, no, I, I scout all the time. I don't ever want to be uh, feel like I'm the guy that's not pulling his weight. I want to be uh, really knowledgeable of the, of the draft prospects, the NBA prospects, the G League prospects, the international free agents. And I, I think if you lack that ability to know the market, uh, it's a terrible disservice to the organization and your colleagues. Don't you just gotta love it? I mean, I mean, in a sense that I don't mean love it as in like it consumes your life, but you gotta love it as in like you gotta enjoy the process of doing it. I think it's really neat. I think I've gained so many cool relationships uh, because of the game. I've seen places I never would have seen otherwise. I've become you know intimately familiar with places I, I didn't even know existed prior to working in the NBA. So I, I certainly love the scouting, but I also love the stories and the relationships around the scouting. Mm-hmm. I remember I'd listened to uh, listened to a podcast the other day and they were. They brought up Nurkic's dad again. Remember that whole? I yes. remember when that was a big deal here too. You know, mm-hmm. look at this guy, the size of his dad, and this and that. I mean, there's funny stories like that you hear, and then, you know, then last night we get to finally see Jarrett Vanderbilt play, right? Yes, you know, this guy that everybody's talking about and his rebound rate and this and that. How's he going to look? And mm-hmm. then you see him make that free throw. The bench goes crazy for him, and you know, the closeness of this team too. I mean, that's a big story as well with the Nuggets. Is just the these guys are growing up together, right? And now they're they're so close and they're rooting each other on and. I don't know. How do you I scout that? I mean, how, th- th- is that something that you can quantify before you get them to the team? You know, again, our staff, from, from you know, from A to Z, from you know, front office, coaches, all basketball operations. You know, they're they're so helpful and so all in that I think when we acquire a player, whatever, every way we acquire him, I think we're going to know about as much as we possibly can know. But how that guy interacts once you get in the building, it's just an educated guess. I think we do put a huge emphasis on guys that get along with teammates, that are self-motivated, that um, you know, are self-deprecating, that are you – know, you have to have a pretty healthy ego to be a professional athlete, but don't tell them, take themselves too seriously. Um, so while, while you do all that, still sometimes you get a guy, and the environment um, is such that 
you know, your best laid plans don't come to fruition. So um, I think we know as much as we can know, but no one really knows. And, yeah. and they told you they knew. They're, they're lying and they're being disingenuous. How much can a player learn from other people versus just doing it for himself? That's a great question. I mean, there's only so much you can learn when you don't play. I think, you know, the, you can live in the gym and do every drill in the world. The, the greatest teacher is, is playing time, I think. Um, and that part, as you get better and better, the playing time gets more and more sacred and, and more competitive, which is that's the evolution you want to see. You know, that's the positive evolution you're, you're hoping for when you, you try to build a young team. So I think um, you, you got to get out there. you got to be able to play through mistakes. And I, I think Mo and his staff have done such a great job. We're allowing the guys to play through mistakes because if you're looking over your shoulder every minute, it doesn't matter how talented you are, it's very difficult to play perfect basketball. <laughs> Excuse me, perfect basketball. And when you're allowed to play through mistakes and learn from those mistakes and hopefully not make those mistakes over and over and over again, that's when you see guys, you know, taking the next step. I mean, I think this year we've seen a couple examples of guys that were given that opportunity and they've ran with it. And I think they deserve a ton of credit and coaches deserve a ton of credit for allowing them to kind of incrementally gain their trust and now play extended minutes. How much does, like, your background, um, specifically having a family that has been so extensively involved in basketball, I mean, your brothers, obviously, Joe, um, uh, Kevin, and, uh, you know, those guys that are able to get out there and be in basketball, how much does that affect your experience in bringing, like, relating to these players or relating to, like, uh, like prospects uh, you meet in Europe or, like, in the G League? It's helpful because it's a built-in network that's, locks uh, rock solid and you trust you know beyond you know any doubt so when, when your brother tells you something you don't have to you know make a bunch of background calls yeah my brother says he's a jerk cool he's a jerk you know next <laughs> he's not for us um it's neat too because we uh collectively we kind of span uh, have and, and spanned and currently span at different levels of the game so you're always connected to you know youth levels or grassroots levels and so that part's really helpful. And also, the more you're around it, the more, I think, the quicker you can kind of assess the situation. And doesn't mean you're going to be right, but, like, I've seen this type of guy 50 times. He's not for me. Yeah. I've seen this type of player. I like him. Um, this guy grew up under this, this high school coach, and this AU program, this coach. Like, he's probably our type of guy. We know those guys really, really well. And, and that type of player, that type of person, tends to fit well in Denver. So yeah. it, it just helps because it extends the network, and it's a network that, you know, their best friends are my best friends. So it's just, you know, exponentially you have such a huge network that you um, know is always telling you the truth and, and know has a, that they have a sense of um, kind of what you're looking for and what has worked thus far in Denver. Is that show the value of, um, not to get too in the weeds, but it's like, did that show the value of actually, for anyone who's trying to get into this business, um, having a network or building a network? Because it's, it, it's something you can lean on um, if, if you really do need something like information or like you're specifically scouting. You need to have that, that network of people who are able to like help you out. I think it's invaluable, and it's, you know, again, it's, there's so many bright um, people that, that are um, trying to climb up the the coaching front office ranks and the one consistent message i give them is to create a network that's sincere and organic not don't create a network of just social climbing you know don't identify the guys or girls you think are going to be superstars in the profession if there's no commonality there the guys i've been very very lucky the guys that i was friends with for 15 20 years some of those guys have you know matriculated to the top positions coaches presidents gms but 15, 20 years ago, it was just this guy's a really cool guy or this girl's really cool. And um, 
you know, I like to travel with them. We have similar tastes. We, you know, we can go have have a beer, or go grab a pizza, talk basketball. But there was when I met a lot of these guys, there was no in, I wasn't scouting. I was like, this guy's going to be a star. Let me really attach my relationship to him. And I think at times right now, I, I think the league's got a bit too corporate in that regard. Where I think the chase and the demands are, are so real time that those relationships are not as readily available and easily to develop. And yeah. I, I, that kind of bums me out. But that, that's the only, you know, everyone can give anybody advice. I just say, you know, work hard. Whatever your job is presently, make yourself invaluable. Don't worry about the next job. And develop real relationships of, of people that you care about and you care about them personally and professionally. And, um, you know, don't, again, kind of don't just have this penultimate goal in mind and you're going to get there reg- hell or high water because um, you can't control where you get there. You can't control um, where this profession will take you, but you can c- kind of control how you handle yourself, the relationships you develop along the way, and the fun you have along the way. Yep. I mean, you have to think at some point, you know, in your career, you're going to have guys coming up under you that are going to branch out and get their own GM jobs eventually, stuff like that. Like, oh, absolutely. Think about that. <laughs> I mean, it's if our staff isn't growing, whether internally or outwardly, then I'm not doing our job. And I think um, I think everyone on our staff could could run a team, and I think a lot of them will. And it'll be probably one of the proudest moments we'll have collectively to watch, um, you know, <laughs> any of these guys. Um, you know, our tourists has had a million suitors for good reason. The guy's mm-hmm. brilliant. Uh, Calvin Booth, you'd be hard pressed to find a brighter basketball mind, and you know the list goes on. I think it's um, you, you got to have a, a room full of really, really smart people and really, really good guys. Those two guys have been my friends forever. Yeah. I was with Calvin, who's a rookie. Um, you know, our tourists and I have been friends through his association with the NBA International Office, and I wasn't friends with either because I thought they were going to be you know brilliant basketball minds. They're just <laughs> fun yeah. guys to be around, and, and we kind of shared a lot of similar interests. So it's it's great to see. Um, those relationships work both professionally and personally. Yeah, it's 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 neat to see the the same people. And you know, like coming back to that uh, when I was talking about like having the same people around, it's good for me to see the same people here because it is like you get a chance. And I think like the same thing with a team and a young team growing up, you get this, you get to see the growth. And, uh, yeah, it's know. great. I mean, it's uh, Tommy's stories. You know, I was oh, yeah. I was coaching in Moscow at Basketball Borders, and he had taken a job with the NBA. I think selling. Um, you know, he just left some consulting job in Boston. He was selling international media rights, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I met him, and he spoke Russian. I said, I like this guy. <laughs> What's, you and I can, what are you doing tonight after the camp? And, you know, we end up talking basketball all the time. Yeah. You know, really knowledgeable basketball guy. You know his story. And, you know, he's the first guy. We, we, uh, ben and I are here, and hey, we need a smart guy in the office. I met this really smart guy, played at Harvard, you know, cool guy. Speaks several languages. Let me call him. And it was great. Called took the job i said um what about title you know tommy was coming from the corporate world so title he was very corporate initially I said i don't know man i mean that's let's, let's be creative what do you think because how about directive analytics I said, that's uh-huh. cool but do you have a where are you like background analytics because i thought i thought, thought excuse me thought that's why you called me <laughs> like I said no i just <laughs> i like this i just checked two big boxes <laughs> okay good yeah that's a very effective use of the budget right now that's we're exactly. being fiscally responsible <laughs> Um, you know, so and to see his growth, you know, Ben, mm-hmm. him, uh, you know, we've added Marty Post, it's fantastic. Obviously, Clib and Scott Howard and Raffles a rock star and Herb mm-hmm. Livesey and uh, Joe's been, you know, I'm probably as hard as Joe as anybody because he's your brother, you know. But some some of the th- finds that Joe's uncovered have been really impactful. So it's 
um, I, again, I, it's, I don't think it's lip service. I think league-wide people would agree when you bring up a lot of the guys on our staff, they're well thought of. They're well thought of because mm -hmm. they work hard. They're well thought of because they have a sense of humor. Um, I think they're uh, creative and they don't take themselves too seriously. And I think that's your kind of to, uh, to typecast yeah. the guys. Sue Bird right now, she's been yeah. awesome. And she's, I, I, I don't know if this is a compliment. I, I told her the other day, I said, you fit in seamlessly. And I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> you, know, <I'm> not, <laughs> you know, you take that how you want it. Suppose on what angle you're looking at it from. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you know, some people think it's confident. Some people would kind of be um, bothered by that. But um, I, I think that's kind of the, the type of person that um, we like to be around, the type of person that um, ha has served us well. And, and I think that's – look at Mo. Mo's the same way. His coaching staff. Yeah. Let's, let's work hard. Let's have a lot of fun. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. Understand how fortunate we all are and, and see if, um, you know, collectively we can't – keep winning games and keep uh, building a strong culture. Yeah. So when you first got here, the gap between rookies and yourself, the age gap wasn't incredibly big. You know, you're a young guy. Now you've been here for a few years. Are you looking back at are, are some of these guys coming in the league and you're kind of looking at their interests or music or anything and being like, oh, I feel a little bit older than these guys now. Like, this is weird stuff. Not really. That's the no? benefit of having, like, a, a ton of single friends who are <laughs> – whose maturity level hasn't really developed greatly since – so um, it's you know, I've some of my best friends are still you know as they age they really have matured so <laughs> it's helpful um, having little uh, younger brothers and sisters helps but I, I think you know when you start judging different generations I think it's a slippery slope I mean every generation has their their pluses and minuses and I, I never want to be that guy like oh, I can't believe these young guys they're so soft they're on their phone all the time it's just different I don't I don't think it's bad or good it's different um, certainly. You don't want to be overly judgmental, and you don't want to be that old guy like, oh, what you know, what are you listening to? You got to listen to this, or I can't believe you're playing Fortnite again. Hey, I used to be addicted to NHL. You know, yeah. I used to play it all the time. Yeah. I'm sure, that, you know, the guys who were 15 years older than me, like you're playing that game again. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> so, um, so not really. I think it's it keeps me young, and again, I like to learn about um, you know any and all generations and. You know, I'm not a bit, I'm not a gamer. I don't have time. I don't have a no, system. No, but yeah. you know, I'll, I'll spend 20 minutes to learn about Fortnite, so I'm not a complete idiot when these guys <laughs> are playing it for a thousand hours. Um, so it, it's, I think it's great. I think it's fun to, um, you know, try to stay as open-minded and, and young-minded and progressively thinking as possible. I, I honestly, and this is with this is sort of something I. I I admire that ability because I have a complete inability of being able to relate to anyone younger than me, um, especially when the last article I wrote was about the Black Crows. Yeah. And they're like, who? Yeah. And, uh, yeah the Black Crows. Yeah. Hard to handle. Spin doctors are there. Back out <laughs> Spin doctors. I, was like, I went and saw uh, uh, Black Crows like the night before Chris Robinson spit on someone at a 7-Eleven out here. And they go, what the? hell are you talking what about? What I do respect is you have a Van Halen shirt on right now. I do. That's a real Van Halen shirt, not, not one you're buying from H&M right now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is really, yeah. it's got holes in it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's the same time. It's like, you know, you and I are both in our 40s, yeah. but at least you have a bit better and more healthy perspective on it than <laughs> I do. So uh, that's, uh, that's a compliment to you. And, it, and do you find, and going off of Nate's question, do you find yourself like, Having to nod along quietly while they're talking about something that you don't get, or is it is it more of a you try your best to relate in in general? I just remember when I was a kid how stupid I was, yeah. and uh, there's no one who could have said anything to me to make me any less stupid. <laughs> you know, you yeah. knew it all. Um, the only only times I get frustrated, and I'll call guys out like, and, and I'm 
I'm on my phone a lot, but you know, I don't have any, I don't have any social media. I don't game, so I'm not on that that much. I can leave it here for an hour and be fine with it. It's just when you go to dinner and it's like four phones out. I'm like, come on, man, just give me half an hour. That's why you got to get a flip phone. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> it'd be tough at the trade deadline with a flip phone. I missed a lot of opportunities. Well, we almost got What's this Tim guy? doing? God yeah, yeah. Right. Tim called. He said his, his thumb hurts. Yeah. <laughs> this queer tea keypad's killing me. Um, so, no, I mean, that's that's the only times I'll kind of call guys out. Like, you walk in a locker room and there's six guys texting. Like, are you texting each other? Just yeah. for a millisecond. <laughs> Trust me, whatever is going on, it's probably not that time sensitive. But then I catch myself again. It's just different. You know, we, we had we had things at our disposal that I'm sure our parents thought were different. And, yeah. um, and in 15 years, those guys will see something that they'll be the old guys now judging. Uh, yeah. But it, uh, different doesn't mean worse. It's true. I just remember going in the locker rooms after, like immediately after games and seeing guys, like players on their phones, like, and you could see they're looking at Twitter. And I'd always be like, I wonder what they're looking at, like game comments or just other stuff. I mean, but they were always on Twitter. It's funny. I was just say, that, that's, how, that, that's like the development of Twitter is like, it's one of those things where it's immediate. It's right there. You can see flash yeah. reactions and all I that. I couldn't so, imagine. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, again, I, I don't see much of what's written about us um, consciously because it's generally uh, any commentary is not positive. Yeah. Um, and I guess if it's super positive, like my uncle will send it to me or something, I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, but it's, I couldn't imagine, like I was an awful high school athlete, right? But like, I couldn't imagine when Towson Catholics playing, I don't know, Lake Clifton, and I was awful. And <laughs> there's like 50 comments like, Number twenty-two, Towson Catholic stinks, man. Look at him, God. Look at that. that would I couldn't imagine. I don't know how these guys deal with it. I don't know how. I, I guess it's that they've kind of grown up accustomed to it, so it's kind of par for the course. But there's some really mean, anonymous people out there. They can write some awful, awful things, and they got to have a sense of humor. And I've like my friends have sent me some. They're really, really mean, but you kind of like they're so mean they're funny. Um, but I yeah. couldn't imagine kind of being uh, being aware of of every and any opinion on a day to day basis. It would, I, I would. It would drive me nuts. No, it would drive me. Well, I, I can give people who are listening to this an idea that, that Tim really does not read this stuff because one day, I think about two, three years ago, I sent you an article that was critical. Oh. And I said, oh, fuck, Tim, can you believe this was written? And he goes, thank you, Jeff. Yeah. I did not see that. I didn't read I, 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 <laughs> Way to ruin my day. <laughs> you know, I, I, used, I used to be able to tell when someone's really dim when my wife, like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I think so. Why? You happened? sure? Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just went to... Just had grabbed a sandwich and came home. It's, <laughs> it, it, look, it's part of the course. We, we, we all signed up for it. Um, but I don't, just to me, and again, to each his own, I couldn't imagine being so aware of what's said about our organization every single day. I think it would really cloud our decision-making yeah. process. And, it's, you know, I think you'd be, even if it was subconsciously, you probably wouldn't be as effective if you were so aware of, of all the voices. I totally agree. So uh, the NBA put in a new rule this year that was, I think, very controversial and I kind of want to get your opinion on it. They're allowing players to wear whatever kind of sneaker colors they want. They don't have to match the uniforms anymore. <laughs> this has been a... Uh, I don't know this how I feel about eight. this. You know, it's been, it's a lot been of sleepless weird. nights in Conley household <laughs> over those Trey Lyles neon sneakers. <laughs> there really is. But you, Actually, it's funny you said that. My mom... Do you notice this? You know, this, ever, this is great. Didn't. I didn't notice it. I knew I was aware of it, but I, I don't know. I mean, unless it's like I like... I like like casual sneakers, hooping sneakers. I have no idea. But my mom, like a couple weeks ago, was like, I really like Lyle sneakers out of nowhere. I'm like, and he had some, I think, some neon sneakers. And since that conversation, I've been more aware of, like, the sneakers <laughs> the guys are wearing. Yeah. Um, hey, it's a pop of color. It's, you know, you don't yeah. want to match. It's, it's a big thing now. It's hot right now. The guys yeah. are more fashion forward. Yeah. Um, 
Hey, I like it. You know, I think any time a guy can express himself individually, I think it's good for the for the player and good for the league. Right, go I remember when LeBron wore that like the suit that was actually shorts had the whole jacket. Oh and yeah, that yeah. Was last year. Yeah, we were watching. I was like, and people were kind of saying he was. Was this going to be a new style? We watched an ACDC video music video the other day. <laughs> Thunderstruck <laughs> live concert. <laughs> One of the guitar players was wearing a suit. With shorts, so Ang- I'm like, this has been going on. It's a, it's another Angus Young. It's more recycles from the hey, fashions. Man. All there's, how much can you do with fashion? This is true. Like, yeah. wait, are you gonna wear like a marshmallow suit? I mean, there's only so many things you <laughs> can <laughs> wear. That I mean, the Stay Puft marshmallow. That's what I mean. Exactly. That. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, it, it's gonna be tight. It's gonna be loose fitting. Is it gonna be, you know, this color? But there's, <laughs> fashion is a limitation if you want to be functional. So I think, um, you know, I, I have zero fashion. But if you wait long enough, you can probably find the inspiration. You know, years in the past. Well, I, I, speaking of that, I, I, Tim used to. Uh, <laughs> I remember when, years ago when I when I was uh, down there at Pepsi Center, and uh, Tim would point out, oh, "What uh, what superhero are you wearing?" Yeah, he used <laughs> to be a big superhero <laughs> T-shirt guy. I had like a Superman shirt. He's like, "Oh, no, I was saying," that, and I'd wear a suit jacket over it. It was the worst looking crap I've ever seen in my life, and I don't know why I got, how I got away with what looking like that. But it's like, <laughs> actually, I don't think it was bad. I think. It's all how it's framed. I think if you yeah. were, well, this is know, true. Mario Lopez was wearing that <laughs> and on that hotel channel. He'd be like, "That's kind of cool." I mean, he's got like a really cool Aquaman shirt on <laughs> with a like, nice shirt. fitted blazer. That's that's I like that. Man. Yeah. Well, it's funny, and then it's like, you you it's fashion, and NBA is very fashion forward. I mean, of all the leagues, it's it's the NBA because they're out front with it yeah. and all that stuff. And they're the NBA allows you the ability and the freedom to express yourself, which uh, which is great. And do you find that like players like seeking that out? I mean, you ever have conversations? Sort of nice, like yeah, I'm, a, I'm checking this out, or I got this fashion, or something like that. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I know Gary went to Milan a couple years ago with the NBA program. Yeah. I think uh, the, uh, Adam does a great job of allowing guys to, to be, you know, individual and, and not, you know, this is you don't want to make this too corporate. These, we have a, a league full of really talented guys mm-hmm. and guys that are really bright and bright beyond basketball. Um, so I think anytime they're allowed uh, the ability to kind of express themselves, it's fantastic. Um, again, most of the stuff the guys wear, I can't get away with, uh, but it's really cool. Yeah. But should, uh, you know, once a month, I'll hit, I'll talk to somebody. Those sneakers are cool. Where'd you get those? And then they'll send me to some website with the sneakers like two thousand dollars, and they'll say, "Cool, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas just." Yeah, I'm not just bidding. Just on, not bidding no. on those Air Max. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so I, I think a, it's great. I think it's great, and the guys enjoy it. And I think the more multidimensional the players are, the mm-hmm. more happy they are, the more effective they are. And uh, you know, I, we don't want guys that are just. Poop, 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 and nothing else. So, uh, fashion has been a great medium for a lot of these guys. Yeah. We'll see if you have to be politically correct here. Do you have a favorite new uniform for the team? Which one do you has struck your eye the most this season? I like them all. I really like them all. It's I, the I think correct. No, but I, I'll give you my favorite. I, I like the Mile High City blue. Oh, I think the blue me too. is just sharp. Boom. I mean, the rainbow is awesome. Yeah. Awesome, and I think our, our uh, you know day in day out white white navy are really sharp. I think they're classic and they're clean. But I think that blue kind of pops, and I, mm-hmm. what I think is especially neat is that blue is unique to us. You know, th- with 30 teams, there's only so many color palettes you can oh, pull yeah. from. Uh, I think that um, Maya High City blue really stands out as uniquely Denver. I, I that's my, by far my favorite. And with all due respect to the the Rainbow Skylines, that the the blue ones I think is where they were. They just saw a way forward, and that was it. And that, that especially that because it pops, and they wore them last night uh, when the the Nuggets beat the uh, the. Uh, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. No, the Phoenix. <laughs> they did a great job with the jerseys. You know, Josh yeah. was intimately involved. Uh, Kelly, who, who's here, she's 
great, some uh, some other outside influences, but um, collectively with Nike in the league, I think they've done a great job with yeah. kind of the rebrand. And I think all four jerseys are really sharp. Um, but I think if, if I was good to wear one, that that blue one really <laughs> jumps out. Love it. I'm curious too. I see you know you see some of the coaches in these. I don't know if you want to call it burgundy or maroon or red. I don't know what color it is, but you see that shirt too, and you're like, I wonder if they're gonna have some kind of reddish uniform at some point you yeah. know could be coming in the future a couple of i years. thought the same thing when i got that sweatshirt this <laughs> <laughs> is a new it's a new color for us the the crimson uh the crimson the, the dark the black i mean it's cool gear yeah i like it it's cool i think it surprised us as well <laughs> it's different it's, yeah. it is yeah. different no, i like i mean my i'm always partial to the the 90s navies that's that was my era i was always partial to uh and uh i've most people would go to the Rainbow Skyline and all that stuff, but when I saw the Mile High City blue one, I was like, "That is great! That was just just a great idea, and it was really good. So it was well done. And you know, in, in an era where you know where they switched to Nike, and everyone's now like, we gotta like have a new edgy uniform or something like mm-hmm. that. I did. I think that really captured. I think what they were going for with this one. Yeah, I also think it's just a neat color, yeah. like a t-shirt or a ball cap. It's something you wear anywhere. I think, um, Sometimes the colors are difficult to kind of wear to a Broncos game or yeah. just, you know, to a supermarket. So I, I think they did a fantastic job. And um, I'm happy we didn't take your advice and try to go back to those <laughs> New Jersey New Jersey Nets onesies from the <laughs> Kurt Lee. Look. Look. New Jersey Nets team. Jeff has a lot of bad ideas. <laughs> I, I, I do. Remember those jerseys? I, they were yeah. the onesies? It's, I do. Yeah. Did they have the stars on, down the side or yeah. something? Yeah. Those, yeah. <laughs> I think it was um, Chris Morris and Kurt Lee and J- Jason Williams on the team, I think, uh-huh. and uh-huh. maybe Kenny Anderson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those Navy ones. They just, they just uh, they didn't, didn't end. They just late, started. Late 90s, wasn't it? Kenny Anderson on those? Yeah. I think it was even yeah. no, earlier. No? Yeah. I think it was earlier. Was that, was that before? Uh, Kenny Anderson was, I mean, he was on the team, but th- those jerseys, I think, lasted for a very short yes, time. they did. They were essentially <laughs> wrestling singlets. <laughs> Yeah, the NBA's tried a few things. I'm glad the T-shirt jersey has uh, become extinct now. The Evansville jersey, the jersey. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy about that. <laughs> Although I did, I did really like the Nuggets ones, the sleeved, the white, white ones. ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They have really the, what, the white shorts were big time too. They're really cool. Yeah, yeah they I like those sweet. too. Um, those were good. We we were of. Uh, I completely lost my. You go. <laughs> I was gonna say professional another, professional podcasters. I have weird. I mean, I have all these weird things with the team. Um, I've noticed a weird thing about Monty Morris. When mm-hmm. I see a side profile of him, I think he looks like LeBron James. Like I quickly will glance at him, like was that like a miniature version of LeBron James? But Monty Morris overall, I mean, he's awesome. I'm like, I was telling Jeff, I'm like, he might be a starter someday or something. Yeah. I mean, this kid is this kid is really good. He's been great. I think you know, four year player, certainly a, a guy that a dying breed, a true point guard. True point true guard. Point right? and there's, there's probably seven or eight of those guys in the league right now that are true point guards, set up point guards. Tr- the coach trusts and to run the team. And I think the greatest thing he brings to our team is, is a trustworthiness from both teammates and coaches. You know, it's not easy, um, again, to mow in the staff's credit to entrust a guy that had no NBA experience to be the primary backup to a 21-year-old starter. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where his four years college experience is. Last year in the G League, he, he – Really, what we sent him to the fire in the G League last year. Sent him not having a, a franchise. Sent him to RGV, and they had a guy on the roster and a guy on a two-way at his position. Um, so he had to play off the ball last year. I think we really helped him um, at Iowa State. He had the ball in his hands the majority of the time. Was always 
the primary decision maker, which is one of his greatest attributes. But, you know, on our team, we don't want anyone with the ball for five, six, seven, eight seconds at a time. So I think all those experiences, Iowa State, RGV, Summer League, and just the work he put in in the offseason here, um, back home in Flint, um, I think you're, you're seeing a guy that has a, a really high natural basketball IQ. I think probably a bit underrated because he doesn't jump out of you physically. You know, he's six one, a buck seventy, seventy five, pretty pedestrian measurements by NBA standards. Um, but but a guy that is proof positive that if you have a a big time feel for the game, he's super confident, and the confidence stems from the work ethic and, and the success he's had. Um, you know, you can be a really good player in our league, and he's been a godsend this year. And, and without him, I don't know where we'd be. So when you have a guy like Morris, and you know they say. Assist-to-turnover ratio may translate from college to NBA. Rebounding may translate from college to NBA. How do guys like Monty Morris go towards the end of the second round? I mean, how do guys just – you'd take more of an upside, you'd take a chance on a guy that has more – maybe a ceiling over a guy? I, I mean, mean, it's, it's the, crazy, the, right? Again, the, the draft is just educated guesses. You know, yeah. I think the most honest people in these chairs will tell you that. I think some of the people that um, – perhaps believe that they know it all will tell you differently. We knew it. We knew it. Well, yeah. we, we took Monty 51. We, you know, <laughs> if we'd have known he was going to be uh, one of the um, top backup point guards in the league and, and a guy not just as a player but culturally is a seamless fit, you know, one of the best guys in the locker room, one of the most popular guys in the locker room, then we'd have done everything in the power to get a, a pick much higher. I think he, he's a guy, a four-year player. Those guys, rightfully or wrongfully, are, are oftentimes um, harshly judged. There, there's a lot of these models are really harsh on um, – you know, the age curve is really impactful on, on how these models see guys. Uh, and, again, I think physically, he's not a guy that jumps off the page at you. you know, the, the, it's the physicality, athleticism of the league is, is certainly something that you have to focus on greatly during the draft. So, um, thankfully, those things were um, were in place, and we were lucky enough to get a player of his caliber in the second round. And, and again, I think the development that um, he's seen, even since the Iowa State's pretty unique and reflective of – um, who he is as a guy, you know, he went. To, he was excited to go to the G League. He was excited to compete for minutes. He was excited to play with and without the ball. And RGV and their coach Matt Rossi did a great job. Again, our player development guys did a fantastic job with him. And when he's not here, he's always working. And he's always watching. I, he, we joke that he seems seemingly has two hundred cousins. They all play in the NBA because everyone knows Monte. <laughs> right. This this pre-draft process, I think four different guys. Who do you know on our team? Monte was the first name for four different guys. So he's kind of a Pied Piper and a, and a real basketball guy and a guy that um, fits exactly who, who we want to be, both on and off the court. <laughs> Nate and I are staring at you. Which, which one's going to go first? Um, I, I was looking at that process and how do you, you know, you find a guy like that. You know, famously, Nikola Jokic uh, it was announced on ESPN when there was a burrito being pulled apart on a Taco Bell commercial, you know. Should have Shavapi. It's like when you find someone like this, does it get – I mean, this is just a personal – you don't have to answer in a self-gratification kind of way, but is it is – it, is it when you – like a guy like that pans out, isn't it kind of like – yeah, I was a, I was the one who identified this, or you know, it's we, it's not I. I mean, it's shoot, everyone on our roster. There's been, you know, there's been guys we've taken that, that we've all liked. There's guys we've taken that only, only majority of us like. So it's anytime you, you get a guy, it's it's a we decision. Um, so you know, I think um, it, it's what what's cool is you see guys like Nicola and guys like Monte is um, the, the focus kind of certainly the game. You can't play this and not be the greatest guy in the world. I mean, um, you know, Jeff, you're a great guy, but. <laughs> 
you weren't on our draft boards. <laughs> well, I mean, it's always next year, Jeff. Yeah, that was a miss on your part. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I, I think what's neat is we we've had some luck with guys that have certain characteristics that tend to allow them to, to you know fight through less than ideal situations and, and tend to um, allow them to, to be guys that um, are overachievers and maximize whatever skill set they have. So that that part's enjoyable because. Monty's a great guy, mm-hmm. and when you see great guys um, develop and mature, and now all their hard work is paying off, and the success they have, it makes it that much more enjoyable. Because as much as it's you know you draft the the player, once he's here, now it's the person. So the personal development can be gratifying, um, and it's I think we have a, a locker room full of guys that have kind of similar paths. They've gotten here different ways, whether it's second rounds or free agents or you know early first round guys but i think they have pretty similar mindsets and approaches and kind of motivating factors that allowed them to get this level it's just it's fun to watch morris when, when he runs the second unit because you're just i don't know how he is as a leader vocally like in the locker room into guys but when you watch just his play it's like he plays guys follow that play you know and it's it, that's cool to see no he, he's a real point guard again it's yeah we could probably name the real, real point guards in the NBA uh, pretty quickly. So it's the NBA's evolved to the point where, you know, it's a scoring league. It's the, the, the rules support that. And there's been so many guys, maybe 20 years ago would have been two guards. Now they're, they're ones because, um, you know, you want to put your five best players out there. So Monte being a true point guard, playing with a really high IQ, big like Mason especially, um, I think those two have a, a – a pretty good chemistry, and you know when Mason's diving, Monty's playing in pick and roll. He's got that in between game now. He's really mastered the floater. He's got a pull up game. He's shooting forty three from three or whatever it is. Um, you know he, he's a tough tough guard, and it's he's also a tough guard because he's thinking the game, not just playing the game. Yeah, I think with you just talking about Mason Plumley there. Um, side story: I on one of my routes I delivered to up off uh, there's a restaurant that Mason Plumley will frequent I guess and yep. he gave a couple guys that worked there tickets to the Bulls game and they had a great time and they're like Nuggets kicked the crap out of the Bulls and mm-hmm. it's like stuff like that you don't you don't hear about that often just I mean these players make a difference just in going and handing a couple guys a couple tickets you know yeah. stuff like that no, Mason's a great guy I mean Mason yeah. uh, Mo instituted a pretty cool idea this year to have guys talk about something non-basketball related so basically do a presentation on anything and mason oh, wow. did his on some of his investments but they're really you know neat investments and i'm sure he hopes that they turn lucrative but they're also socially conscious you know that the, he looks for things that can help society so that it was so neat and he was such an uh, impressive speaker but and beyond the numbers because he cared you know he cared about some of the technology he invested in so he's a great guy and he's um Again, it's been great to get to know him, and he's a guy that loves Denver, and um, not just as a player, but as a person. He's a big-time person. Well, there was a, there was a highlight the other day of a alley-oop reverse dunk mm-hmm. in the NBA. I don't know who did it or whatever, but they made a big deal about it, and I'm like, I've seen Plumlee do that two or three <laughs> times with the Nuggets. You know? Master of the reverse dunk. He likes <laughs> the reverse dunk. I didn't know how I'd feel about Plumlee when he got here, but I've really actually grown to like him. He's, he's really great. bright. He's a really, really good person, and yeah. you can have, you know, he's got opinions, and he's smart, and he's funny, and he's a He's a guy that's gonna. When, whenever the the ball stops bouncing, his his impact will probably have just have started because he's just a, a guy that's interests are all over the place. He's got really cool relationships. Uh, it, it'll be fun in a long time from now. Obviously, it'll be fun to see what he does when he stops playing. I know he's been part time starter. Did you ever worry when you guys made the deal to bring him in that he would bristle a little bit at maybe having to come off the bench because he did start for Portland? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys are human, and you know, they're all really really good players and. 
their ambition is what's oftentimes drives them so for sure but i think you know in those situations you have to be transparent and you have to be upfront, and you can't sugarcoat it and i think um guys might not like it but if you're if you never lie to them and you're always um you know as honest as possible they'll respect it and it's, it's a much easier way to kind of interact well team relatability and and i think that kind of has contributed to uh, fans coming back. And I, and I and it's been one of the good things for me to see as someone who has been covering the team for many years now is that the fans are starting to be here. No, not more than starting. They've really shown up big time this year. And it has been something that has been extremely, and I would call it organic, because it's not only success-related. I think people actually genuinely like the team with, uh, because they like the players. They want to relate to them and all that stuff. And that, that kind of, I think, has contributed to the fans coming back because it seems like there's a caring going on. And I think it shows when people have interests not necessarily always focused on you know, ball, 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 ball. Uh, like Mason, you know, uh, one of the first conversations I had with Mason was about art. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was good to talk to someone <laughs> in, that, in that level. Do you think that has been part of, uh, and have you noticed the, this, the the fan resurgence of and coming back into Denver? Sure. I mean, you guys, you and I have talked about it in, in the past. We wanted the team to be reflective of the city. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of a grandiose goal and sounds kind of cheesy and cliche-ish, but I think our team is 100% reflective of Denver. I mean, yeah. It's um, it's young. It's kind of quirky. It's um, I think they're socially conscious. They care about more. I mean, some of the stuff Mason did, what, what Monte did recently um, in his home city of Flint, Will Barton's done so much in Baltimore. You hear about half it. There's another half that he doesn't talk about. You, know? mm-hmm. um, you go down the line of, of guys that are really making huge impacts in communities, not just in Denver, but in their hometown. So I think it's, you know, if you're a casual fan, you, you want to go out and cheer for, for good guys. If you're a diehard, you, just, you, know, you know it's, it's about the wins and losses, and um, it's easier to, to reconnect or, or turn off. But if you're a casual fan, it's fun when you see a team, you know, led by Moe is a great guy. Uh, it's fun when you hear about a story like Tory Craig. I mean, what a story. Um, yeah. Not, not just his evolution as a player, but some of the stuff that he has to deal with with his mom's issues. Yeah. Um, so I, I certainly, the, the teams I'm fans of, I become a more rabbit fan when I, when I like the people. And I'm not like I know them, but yeah. they give the appearance of likability. Mm-hmm. And I think our team, and you guys know these guys pretty well now, they're all really good guys. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think a- any of them could, could that be questioned. They're all good people, and, and I think they're really good basketball players, but um, I think it's just human nature. You, you tend to be a little more vested and, and want to cheer for that type of guy. And I think that certainly helps winning games. But now we're winning games with the type of people that the city and the organization can be really proud of. Go ahead. That was always kind of my goal as a reporter was I wanted to write stories about guys and have the person reading it care about that person more than they did when they started reading it. And with this team, I mean, there is that care level like you're talking about. You know, you start to care about these guys and – then you know you have stuff like the trade deadline come up, and you're like, I don't trade any of these guys. Don't trade anyone. Don't trade I feel the same same way at times. It's the line what it's personnel, not personal, but it mm-hmm. is personal. Yeah. And if you don't, at least how we view things, if you don't develop those personal relationships, it makes things a lot harder to have difficult conversations or challenge guys or or really be critical of guys. And if you're not developing relationships, I think that it's, it can be kind of an empty vapid job and it's something that um you know i wouldn't want to be part of and then when you have to you still have to make those tough decisions it's ultimately a, it, it can be the greatest story ever if you're not winning games and you know new people will be here players in front of office whoever it may be and i 
uh, me and Jeff will text, obviously, and I'll, I'll always text Jeff, and we'll be talking about the team. and Long like, long response time for Jeff? Long responses, <laughs> yeah. And it's usually only a couple words. Yeah. A couple more spells. A lot of capital A's. <laughs> Give me 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy, I've been, you know, I always forget about him. I was like, oh, my God, they have Michael Porter Jr., you know? Like, he's mm-hmm. going to come to the team at some point and give him an added dimension, you know? And getting that guy in the, in, in the lottery and then adding him to a team that has, you know, the second best or record in the Western Conference, it's like the addition of him at some point. And for him to come to a team, I always think about that too, like going to a team that's going to be in the lottery for three or four years, that's going to be frustrating. And then you got Michael Porter Jr. who's watching these guys night to night, beating the best teams in the league and going, man, I'm going to get to contribute to this team, to this really good team. Um, where do you see him fitting into this to this group? How does he fit in now? I guess he's been he's great. Around, you know, it's it's a real challenge when he's been injured for a better part of a year and a half. You know, a guy that was top player in his class for six, seven years. Um, so it's w- it's a real challenge and something that we we work on daily to kind of keep him engaged, keep his spirits up. I mean, <laughs> this is the most uh, strife he's ever faced. You know, he's used to playing basketball. That's and playing basketball at a very high level, and um, the minutia of rehab can be. You know, agonizing every day, the same thing, the same stretches, the same lifts. So what we've tried to do and our teammates have done a uh, – they've done a fantastic – his teammates have done a fantastic job. Will Barton, Isaiah Thomas kind of jump out, just keep him engaged, always talking hoops, talking about what he can expect when he gets out there. Uh, coach has done a great job. Hey, how are you going to guard this guy? What, what's he shoot from three? Do you know the game plan this evening? So I think even though he's not out there yet and he's not – ready to you know play an NBA game, he's getting better mentally. And he also – he and I talk about this um, all the time. You know, we had dinner recently, and it was, I think it was a huge win-win for both the organization and the player. I think for Michael, uh, we got a, a player that shouldn't have been there. If he was healthy, you know, we all know where he would have gone. I think he's gone in the top you know, three, top five. And for Michael, we had no – need for him to be impactful off the bat there's no need to rush him back and we're not going to play him until he's right and he came to a team that uh for a team that's playing well uh, i don't think you could find a, a more egoless locker room um our best player and uh, a guy that's you know i'm certain gonna be in charlotte in a couple of weeks um has no ego hates attention <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. yeah. hates yeah. hates media yeah. has no marketing deals yeah. just like post game interviews he's telling the crowd to like be quiet don't don't cheer yes <laughs> so i i think michael and i talk about that quite a bit you know it's oftentimes your first team kind of defines how you're going to develop both as a person and a player and what he can learn from from nicole or paul or gary or jamal or you know will these guys that they're not really self-absorbed and in professional sports, that's that's hard to find a locker room full of guys like that. Um, and these guys, a lot of our best players, have made the really really hard way. So Michael was going to be, you know, one of those anointed guys. One of the guys is going to be certainly an early lottery pick. His struggles weren't being the second round or being looked looked past. His struggles are certainly physical. So I think they can learn a lot from each other. And he's been a great guy in the locker room. He's, he's doing more and more on the court. But again, it's you know we didn't draft Michael to, to play games in February. We played draft Michael to be here for you know a decade and hopefully be an additional young impactful piece to our team. What makes him great in the locker room? Like, what is he like? What is his interaction like with the guys? He's just he's you know funny, extremely confident. You know, very knowledgeable of basketball. Uh, he's from you know. 
both his mom and dad collegiate uh, players, huge family. They're all I think they're all NBA Division One athletes. So um, he really knows the game. Uh, it's he and Will Barton get in some great debates. <laughs> Isaiah too about who's better, this guy or that guy, and they'll sit there and talk for an hour and a half and two hours, and all all three will be so convicted and all sure they're <laughs> so right. Um, you know, youthful exuberance. Him and Jared, I think that was another blessing, having him and Jared in the same draft class where those guys have played against each other since sixth grade. Um, Michael knows what Jared looks like when he's healthy. Uh, Jared has a really fun, goofy personality, so those two kind of are always playfully making fun of each other. Um, our medical staff has done a great job. And, and just collectively, the um, overall vibe of the locker room is a really healthy and positive one, and, and Michael certainly adds to it. Fashionable guy too. His yeah. suits, his suits have been extremely fashionable. I'm not telling him. It's <laughs> Puma makes. He, I've seen more Pumas <laughs> since, and he, they're really cool shoes. He had another nice pair the other day. It's, he's, he's doing a good job. Almost like Gallo was Mr. You know, Mr. Armani showing up with the you know the nice Armani shoot suits and all that no. stuff. I'm like, wow, that's. Uh, if I like even brush against this uh, this suit, it'll be like devalued. <laughs> Gallo, you know, grew up playing Armani Milano. He's getting the friends and family discount. <laughs> Gallo has some great clothes. Another great guy. Jeff, you putting uh, Jokic as your All Star starter? Oh well, I would, but you know, NBA media doesn't ask me these things. But yes, I, I, of course, I would. I would. I would. I would have him as the. As Adam Marez would say, the fulcrum of any offense that they do. <laughs> Me too. I yeah. put him in there too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Tim would as well. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> again, I think uh, I'm not objective, so anything I say won't be construed as being objective. But objectively, uh, you'd be hard pressed to yeah. make a, uh, a real argument against him not being one of the top five or ten players in the league. I'd Wouldn't you want to see him starting throwing passes to the guys in the All Star game? I mean, that would be the fun. That would be the fun. That team, would be my you know? first pick. If I was, <laughs> of course, <laughs> the guy I most want to play with, I want to play with. Of course, the big kid, Denver. Everyone likes the guy who's going to give you the ball, you know, yeah. and that's that. That's what I would enjoy. Yes, and that's the other thing too that me and Jeff talk about this a lot too. I mean, playing. If I was a player, I would want to play on this Nuggets team. It's a fun team. They share the ball. They seem to play in a in a fun way. And me and Jeff share the this as well. We'd both probably hate to play for the Rockets. I can't stand like, <laughs> the Nuggets seem to play like a style that's it's like I don't want to say that's how basketball should be played, but it's like that's a fun style of basketball. And the Rockets almost seem like they're trying to cheat the game to win games. I don't know. I hate it. We, we, I hate the Rockets. Of course, Stop. Tim, we know well, you cannot can comment on this. The, the views of <laughs> Nate, Tim, and Jeff Martin don't reflect Do the views reflect. of the Denver Nuggets or the parent organization. <laughs> but this, this Nuggets team, is just, it's, a, it's a fun style. It's been – and even defensively, you know, they play so well offensively. The story this year has been a lot about defense too and Jokic's defense and the defensive – you know, they're fun, and it's a fun team, but then you see them on defense, and they get nasty sometimes. I mean, they've won a lot of games, close games, with a nasty defense. Yeah, I think the continuity of, of the roster and coaching staff is probably underrated in a league that changes the norm. We've been fortunate to have a very patient ownership and allow, and not just players grow, you know, uh, us grow and coaches grow. And um, the, the better you know your teammate, the better you know your coach, the more effective you can be. So I think um, ac- across the board, I think we're really um, seeing the, the benefits of keeping a core together both on and off the court. Um, you want to? Sorry. Was, was that your movie? Yeah, the movie. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, just to kind of wrap on the end of the, uh, no, the, end of the Nuggets talk, yeah. I mean, they're in a spot now where 
few people probably saw, you know, outside of the organization, few people probably saw where they would be in, in this point right now in the season. And it's just been, it's been a joy to watch. Yeah. You know? no, I, it's been great. It's been great to see that. And you know, like I said, point out for the fans coming back to Pepsi center, because that, I think that's really helped. I think the vibe has lifted definitely at home with all the fans here too. No, they're deserving. I mean, yeah. the, the year before I got here, what, 38 and three at home, 57 wins team. So, um, you know, it's been a long road back. We're not there yet. We still have almost half a season left. You know, we haven't been in the playoffs in five years, but I think the the foundation is there for a team that can be, um, you know, achieve a high level of success and be sustainable in doing so. And it's, you know, you guys, the, the stiffs, uh, the the hardcore fans have been there the whole way. And I think kind of you guys putting the words out there help spread the word about what's happening in the Pepsi Center. And you see more and more casual fans. I mean, I, you know, I'll walk over quite a bit and, um, I'll sprint out here after a game at times and walking back and hear the conversations of, you know, the, the guys and girls going to the bars throughout, you know, Lodo or Union Station. It's, um, they're so positive and, and so, um, it's just so neat to see kind of, um, you know, whoever moved here four or five years ago, now they're a Nuggets fan. I mean, we've yeah. talked about that in previous podcasts. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good team to jump in on early because I think these guys will be here for a long time and they're the type of guys you can easily root for. Yeah. Do you find yourself to still be fairly anonymous? People point you out a lot anymore now? No, I'm not. I've been noticed. I'm sorry, recognized. I think twice in six years. One, once was at a comedy club in New York City. Wow. Yeah, Uh, really funny guy. He's a local guy. Now I'm gonna. God, the guy's really funny. He has a um, a podcast with uh, Jay Okerson. He's a local comedian. Oh really? God, it's God. I know the guy's name. Clayton. Is it? What's his first name? Is it Adam Clayton Smith? I might be having the wrong guy. I don't know. That might be this guy's. I've yeah. seen him live a couple times. Really funny, and I apologize. <laughs> no, but yeah. and uh, I think one time for a UPS guy at the door, and I was really excited. I wanted to invite oh, nice. him in for a beer, and my wife was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> so this guy knows who I am. What do you mean? This is great. The important thing <laughs> is Nate and I recognize you, and that's the. And that's I always the, see you guys out and about. <laughs> <laughs> we all have such. <laughs> Such rocking social lives in Denver. We do. He did tell us a, a cool story on here once about being at the Comedy Cellar. Have you gone anywhere fun like that recently? Anywhere? I go to the Cellar a lot when I'm in New York, and I got to know a couple of the guys. Um, um, took Paul to see a buddy perform in Chicago recently. Um, Andrew Schultz was pretty. He's a really funny comedian. We had a good time. Um, I don't know. I just. I think it's just a really neat medium. It's it's a, a night, a great way to kind of turn your mind off for the evening. Saw. Uh, my wife, Sue Bird, and a couple of our attorneys, um, one of our HR uh, ladies. We went to see Dave Hotel recently down at uh, the yeah. Comedy Works down south. It was great. Mm-hmm. He's Chiller. so funny. So, so, so funny. Um, so have you, have you seen his Netflix with uh, yeah, Bumpy Mike's? Bumpy Mike's? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. It's killer. It's really funny. I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. You know, that's something you two have in common. Uh, Nate, since I've known him, has loved going down to, do, to watch comedy shows. Yeah. Um, I, I always want to be a comedian. Oh, yeah? yeah? That was my biggest regret right well, there. You and uh, Ben Hoffman. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Tom Clancy's first book was 47. It's not too late to start. Let's yeah, go. Well. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and then I've started watching that HBO show, Crashing. Crashing's um, funny. Pete Holmes yeah. is a good writer. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Artie Lang looks good in that. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His nose is kind of giving way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think a it's cool just a show just to show some of the background stuff that you wouldn't think about, you know, handing yeah. out flyers. Just like your job, you know, people don't probably know half the stuff that you actually have no, to do on a day-to-day. Well, I talked to a comedian about that recently. The guy's pretty successful, and I want to be like you. I said, you want to be like me now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> here, here let's, let's walk back. Do you want to work at uh, the sporting goods stores selling hunting equipment you've never hunted in your life or work at this restaurant? <laughs> or um, So it's, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's a really 
you got to be really confident, and, and it's it's a hard, hard life. You know, yeah. even when you make it, make it, the life's difficult. You know, on the road, um, and and for uh, you know, I, I at times have tar- hard time cha- um, turning my mind off. Stand up comedy does that for sure. Stand up comedy documentaries. I think those two things. Yeah, my mind's off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen that uh, Fire Festival documentary? I have. On Netflix? It's, it's good. It's no, so I haven't seen good. it. It's really good. It is so good. I haven't seen the Hulu one, but the Netflix one is fantastic. The Netflix fantastic. one's really good. It's really good. What is it good. called again? Uh, uh, the Fire Festival, Greatest Party That Never Happened. Yeah, the or? Greatest Party That Never Happened, and it's about a failed, yeah, I'm gonna find that failed festival. Really? And it was... It's so Fa- I think failed's an understatement. Yes. <laughs> Spectacularly <laughs> failed. <laughs> it was essentially like, if you, me, and Jess, let's throw a party <laughs> in Illiches and... Well, it's not a bad example because it's an island. I don't know. And 30,000 people were going to come, and then we decided about two weeks out, like, um, hey, man, where are they going to stay? Where are they going to eat? Who, who's going to pay? How is this all going to happen? Yes. We don't know. We didn't plan that far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> great, great, great It's great. Um, you know, one of the things that um, uh, I get from Tim a lot, and, and you actually, uh, you know your restaurants, and you, yeah, so you're, you go out and you see, like, good restaurants here in Denver and stuff. And last year for my 40th, I, uh, I went to Barcelona Wine Bar, and uh, which was was something that you had recommended to me. And I, I, I'm addicted to that place. It's a neat place. One of, one of my wife's uh, good buddies from back home helped open it. So, you know, it's uh, it's a really neat place. I mean, there's so many. Rhino has so many cool places right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lodo, Union Station, Low High, Tennyson Street, and the Highlands. There's mm-hmm. so many cool bars and restaurants right now. And we're, all, we're always trying to find, find them. This, uh, some of the urban markets, Avante, Milk Market, I think it's a – I mean, if you're you're in town for like I just had a buddy here for a couple of days and he, he was so impressed by how much good food Denver has to offer right now. Oh yeah, my milk market uh, was a great little market area too. Not little, it's big. Uh, that opened right there on near the Coors Field, so it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, and never heard of it. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> it's, what is it? Seventeenth and Wazi or a block, yeah. a block away? Yeah, it's Bla- uh, Yeah, it's between Blake and Seventeenth um, anyway, and Blake. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's 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 huge. It's great. It's like a like a, uh, like a take. It's a it's a modern take in urban market. You know, yeah, it's a small. You know the food courts and in, in, in malls that used to exist, yeah. but like this is like much better food. Avante and, has it. Source yeah. has it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all great. We should get paid for all this, right? You well, get, we should. Like, are you getting paid for this off? I, I, you know, I wish. I wish. I wish because I would like to get some comps for anything. You know, get a, a, a smartphone. <laughs> if you talk about Barcelona long enough. <laughs> Hold on, I'm still sending a text to someone from from two days ago. Um, Send me that link from the article, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Someone asked me that. Down, like, pass I, said, on paper. Yeah. I said I can't. I got a flip phone, and uh, they, the the laughing peels was amazing. But anyway, I went to the, I went there, and uh, you you had you know recommended these restaurants to me, and all of them have been great. So obviously, you have the eye for the. Uh, for I have the, the, the eye for the <laughs> anything sub white tablecloth. I'm not a white tablecloth guy. Yeah. My palate hasn't has not developed to that degree. I, I like I think I have a pretty strong vocabulary, but I don't want to have to ask. The waiter or waitress, what, what this ingredient is, <laughs> and uh, again, this so this there's so many great places to kind of fit fit that mold of restaurant that like um, you know, and again, it's there's so many bright people making food right now in the city. Oh, so yeah. many, I mean, so many great bartenders. I'm always over at uh, Occidental or Williams and Graham with Sean. Sean Kenya's a brilliant guy, and he's opened a bunch of places throughout the city. So you know, you go in there, you just want a beer and yeah. get some drink that's unbelievably tasty and you didn't realize that tequila in it or you well, know. I, I always go I always uh, I, I go to Osteria Marco great uh, pizza great pizza there and uh, um, 
I go there, and I, I got a friend who works there, and um, it's one of my favorite places to go. In really Denver. cool. It's, it's, really it's, cool. It's great vibes right there on uh, Larimer. Larimer, yeah. And uh, it's great. But uh, do you find yourself okay? Before we before we depart here, any movies that you've seen recently? I mean, so I don't have to do the charade <laughs> thing. <is it? laughs> uh, the theater. I mean, the last time I've been in theater has been kids' movies. I saw The Grinch. <laughs> it, was, nice. it was actually pretty creepy. It was, it was myself, my two kids, no one else in the whole theater. <laughs> it was charming for the first five minutes. Then it was. They like, oh. So it wasn't any time I went to the movies in Casper, it'd be like yeah. me and one old lady, and be like, should we just leave? Were you guys together? Or? <laughs> yeah. Is it a date? Or? <laughs> Gentleman never tells. That's, that's how Bumble works in Casper, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Take what you get up Pickings there. Pickings were slim. Yeah. Casper, Wyoming. <laughs> Um, no, it's it's funny. We've TV shows, documentaries. I saw a cool movie recently called um, American Animals. Pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah I just watched that. It was cool, right? Yeah, it was very interesting. It was about an art heist. These yeah. college students had an art heist. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with yeah. it. But it was kind of just documentary for years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep that on the. <laughs> you're gonna steal that big bear from yeah. the convention center? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's once I construct a vehicle big enough. Yeah. <laughs> All time worst crime plots. Yes. Stealing the bear. This is a giant vehicle taking the beer. <laughs> it seemed like they could have been able to get away with that easily, but they well, know, lacked experience. Yeah, no, they definitely no um, they definitely kind of panicked. It was a neat movie, though, because it didn't really know, as a progression, didn't know if it, they were going to... I didn't want to ruin it, but it, it was they did a good job keeping you on the edge of your seat, and yeah. it was kind of neat having the... The footage and the real, the current interviews and then having the actors kind of dramatic portrayal. I thought that was really cool. I, yeah, it was great. Usually that doesn't work. Usually I'll watch no. something like that and it's like this was hokey. Yeah. Yeah, Netflix did something like that with something called Haunted or something like it, where yeah. they people were told their stories about you know, supposedly being haunted and they would have reenacted oh, uh, things like that. that. Uh, and that was actually not bad. Um, you guys, Black Mirror. That's what everyone in the office is talking about. Black Mirror. Uh, the, the, after I saw the first episode, <laughs> oh, you want to ex- expound on the first episode? Yeah? <laughs> I, I do <Yeah>. not. <laughs> Want to lose all your I do, do listeners not. quickly? I do not. After I saw the first episode, just, just I was talk like, about I don't what happened. Just talk about what happened in this no, episode. No, no, we will not <laughs> be talking about what happened in that episode. Yeah. But after that, it was like it set the tone for something. That's, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to continue with this. But people love that show. Yeah, no, it's creative, and it's. I mean, uh, what the most recent ones? You can choose interactive. Some interactive. You yeah. can choose where you want to go with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like those books that choose your own adventure books in the libraries. Those are yeah. fun. <laughs> Benicula or something. Now like you got choose your own TV. <laughs> what will they have next? It's the wonders of modern technology. <laughs> I know that. Uh, but How about you guys? Anything else going on besides uh, uh, the obvious? Nate, Nate's got the UPS world, and yeah, and I've been. I went to. Uh, we traveled. I went with a buddy. We went to a UFC fight in Vegas last year. Oh, uh, was that was it fun? It was awesome. Yeah. We got to sit in one of the um, uh, God private booths. What do you call them? I think uh, suites. Suites. A suite. Yeah. Yeah, I we sat in the suite. You gave us a uh, look like there was somewhere we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of booth uh, are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we sat in a suite, and we had uh, John Gruden and his family were in the one next to us. Oh, so wow. Like, really? Like, oh, John Gruden's here. Yeah. And you're like, oh, John he's, Gruden. He's tiny. We won a decent amount of money off a of Derek Lewis fought Francis Ngannou, and it was oh. like one of the worst fights in UFC history, but we won a bunch of money on it. And uh, we were, like, celebrating. My buddy was, like, yelling and looks over, and Gruden's, like, standing right next to him. He's like, oh, sorry, coach. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, coach. But, yeah, we got that, and then we might go to another one. I've kind of become a big UFC fan. That's cool. I, I mean, there's, really a, quite enjoy there's a great gym here. Uh, the guy, Luke, trains a – there's a – who's the big-time local UFC fighter here? The guy that's uh, – There's oh, a few of them here. Know. 
Um, but like T.J. Dillashaw trains here. Yeah, I think he trains with Luke. I Dwayne think Ludwig yeah. down north. I think up north, and obviously okay. Nemanja Jokic is undefeated so far. Oh, really? Is he? Yeah. yeah. What is his weight class? Heavyweight. Yeah, heavyweight. But he's real. I mean, he's a big guy. He's really lean. But he's how old is he? Uh, Nemanja, I'm gonna guess he's like 32. Guess mm. I don't hope I don't know Nemanja. I think you're just. Darko's age, I don't know, uh, some 32 uh, yeah. to 34, but he's in great shape. He's really enjoyed it, and he and Strahinia have been training with it. And, um, shoot, my wife and I went down and um, trained with Luke a little bit. That was That's a tough workout, oh, man. Well, that's a really it. tough workout. Does Artur still? Artur trains all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Trains I don't all the time. remember, Jeff, right before Al Harrington got here, he was like doing an MMA thing with a comedian named Jason Serrano and like had footage of him, oh, Al yeah. Harrington, knocking yes. the comedian out. It was like really fantastic. knocked him out? Yeah, yes. knocked him out. Because they were like sparring and then Harrington like hit him and the guy just oh went down full like a pancake. Big Al Harrington. Yeah. Great, another great guy. Another great guy. Yeah. Yes, uh, I think he has a place over in the Highlands. He does. Yeah, he's a great guy. He does. He's, a very, um, he's into the, the new Colorado business. Yes, right? he is. Gotta, what, uh, natural energy? What? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Wind energy. <laughs> a, a, a certain sort of energy. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you can call it energy. Um, I, uh, I, I was thinking, it's for me, I, I'm, I'm going to tell it right here and now and people can hear on the record. I will actually make it to Summer League this year. Yeah, right. Same <laughs> for like seven years. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to need uh, your, your third co-host. <laughs> because I, I, I've determined since I've now reached all the milestones, I can finally like forget, forget my birthday in the middle of July, which is always lands right on. Uh, if you go, there. I'll take big night out, stiff's night out on me if you show up. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm going. I am going. And people, listeners can hold me to this because I'm going this year. Because, like, one time I was going and I lost my license and I uh, couldn't get on the plane. <laughs> 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 Nate remembers this. Nate, Nate was like, what? Yeah. I just got the name to the community. Dan Soder. Dan oh, yeah, Soder. Dan Soder. Yeah. Really yeah. fun. Yeah. Really, really funny guy. And yeah. a big local sports guy. He was, he was hilarious. He's I didn't a, know he was from here. Yeah, I think he's oh, – shoot, I don't know. I mean – or that he at least recognizes you. Know, next time, maybe we should have like a, uh, a computer ready for <laughs> all these Google searches. We <laughs> have the fun of the podcast. No, there's, there's two computers here that, that we have not used at all. We're making him look it up on his phone. Well, I know you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know. I, I did see Dan Soder. He told a hilarious story um, doing stand up. I think about his house getting robbed because he lives with some guys when he was way younger that used to be drug dealers or something, mm-hmm. and then they tried to rob the yeah. house he was in. Yeah, he grew up in Aurora. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. He's a re- really funny guy. Really Jeez. funny guy. Oh, my God. Maybe you could add him on the podcast. Well, we Nuggets can, yeah. guy. Very funny. Yeah. Could do that. Uh, you that can intern. You can kind of shadow Nate. him in your quest to be a stand-up comedian. I was going to say, yeah, uh, Nate, Nate would freaking be like, love that. Be like Pete Holmes to Artie Lang and, and, <laughs> yeah, and crashing. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Didn't you have a, did you have a UFC guy on here? On, on, do, do a solo podcast with a UFC guy or a guy who has had a gem or something like that? It was yeah, like, yeah. With UFC. Okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, that, that's been Nate's. Interests that the thing's going on, comedy and then the UFC Gosh, thing. I'm telling you, Luke is he's great. He's an ex college wrestling trains. He has a great gym not too far north of me. He's great. You know, I did here um, Pepsi Center. I went to the John Jones Rampage Jackson fight years ago. And they mm-hmm. had the press conference here. I got to meet Rampage. It was pretty cool. Wow. I thought he'd be huge. Was Rampage was the like, guy in uh, the A team? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where's the big chain? Yeah. His brother gave him for high school wrestling. Jeez. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I've been training. 
a lot and been working out a lot and, and um, I, I had lost about a, a significant amount of weight and since I started training I, I gained weight and I started freaking out like what am I doing you know, you're no, doing ultimate fighting right now no no I'm oh. just like trying no, oh, just regular like, like, just know. make a late run <laughs> yeah, nice. no 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 um, <laughs> there's no way I, that, that would be this is the highlight like, of all podcasts <laughs> yeah, that would be the worst got him signed up for a make. Thornton tough man first first prize is me with a pitchfork or something um I uh, <laughs> is there is there a number that for you to get in the octagon with like someone in your weight class? <laughs> yes. Well, just you have like Jerry the King Waller. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go and wear overalls or something like that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or that's wrestling. You can be a heel. I mean, at some point, I'm sure. Of course, I'll, I'll we'll start doing that. Don't do that. heels. No. <laughs> yeah, they got a few. Yeah. We always do hypotheticals. If you think, all right, hundred thousand dollars, you have, who's the best Ultimate Fighter right now in just weight class? In just weight class. You need the short weight class. Yeah. <laughs> the short. <laughs> the short. Well, yeah, probably like stout. Tyron, probably like Tyron Woodley. <laughs> Tyron Woodley. All right, Tyron Woodley. Okay, I'm going to have to. You have to fight have him. To look him up. And how many? How many men turn around? Uh, five. Five. <laughs> so you have a hundred thousand dollars to walk into the octagon with Tyron Woodley, and you only get the hundred grand if you make the five minutes. Um. Well, look, <laughs> and anyone would try something, and I would fail spectacularly. Yeah. I would be out like that. So you just let them choke you out or just tap out the minute tap, I would tap out. Would, you, would you, be you, running around the octagon be count and yeah. staying in the room. But ring. five minutes would be difficult <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> Depends on the standard. I, this, well, is, this has reality show written well, on it. It does. Watch Jeff fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> it's it like a, the Ricky Gervais <laughs> when they sent the idiot abroad. It, yeah, yeah. An idiot abroad. Is that another good one. Or the comedian Burt Kreischer had Hurt Burt on the Travel Channel. No, really? got hit by like bulls and they threw him out of planes. He had a grizzly bear eat uh, marshmallows out of his mouth, stuff like that. <laughs> wow. Terrifying. Oh, my God. Yeah. What is wrong with that guy? <laughs> that, that, that's the same thing they would be saying to me if I got into an octagon. Yeah. So like, What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> God. Jeff, you, uh, awesome. you have to wear the, uh, the New Jersey Nets <laughs> the onesie. The onesie yeah. Yeah. with the stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> so is that a yes or no? Is it no, a, no, well, I, no way. It would. <laughs> <laughs> I, got I, I know my limits, and my limits extend at uh, at doing a bench press you know, and like <laughs> and working on my obliques. <laughs> I have tried to figure that out though. Like we did one of those tough mutters years ago. Yep. You know, we did up in Beaver Creek, and then like as I get older, my job keeps me pretty physical. But I'm like, I need to create like a goal or something or something to like get physically like. Something more in shape than I am now. You know have you mean? anything in mind? No, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I think the same thing, but I don't know. <laughs> right? Think about it. Don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's if you need someone like it, it's just. It's sometimes it's self motivation. Sometimes it's just like, I, I got to the point in my life, and you guys know, know me for you know a long time. I was significantly larger than I am right uh-huh. now, and I had to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I got to do something. So that was the weight loss part of it. And then I think, okay, when I was telling you guys, you know, like going to work out, do all this stuff, I gained like 15 pounds of muscle. That's good, though. But that's good. Healthy. And I just like, but I like get on the scale and I'm like, what muscle the off. hell? I'm, yeah. I'm gaining weight. And people are like, you're an idiot. That's muscle. God, you're clearly never done this in your entire life. There's so much <laughs> advice about staying in shape. And ultimately, I think you, we all know we're in decent shape. Yes. Yeah. I, I know when I have the midnight burger and fries and brownie Sunday was a good night. And I know <laughs> if I 
add red meat once in a week and didn't eat past 8 o'clock, I feel a lot better. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Pretty simplistic rules to oh, no. any approach. You just hear so much, you know, eat this, don't eat that, and then the other person will say, no, you should eat that, but you shouldn't eat that. Well, they told me the opposite. You know? I like the studies. Studies suggest that, uh, you know, eating fried food is bad for you. You really need the study for that. <laughs> yeah. Shock. Thanks, for, thanks Johns Hopkins. That's, for, a, that's a great study. We spent millions of dollars yes. on this study. I, I thought <laughs> this bag of chips was really good for me. <laughs> and then with, with Michael Porter, everybody's talking about backs and this. And um, there's this old weightlifter that was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he has this, he made a machine that Rogue Fitness makes called the Reverse Hyper. That's like the only machine that's supposed to help your like lower back and back gets uh, stronger. And Joe Rogan uses it, recommends it. Anybody that comes on his podcast, he's like, I got to get you on the Reverse Hyper. It'll fix your back. It's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. But, like, I have a bad lower back, and my buddy's building a gym, and he ordered that. So I'm like, I'm going to test this thing out because What does it look like? Um, I got a picture of it on here. It just, <laughs> you, like, lay flat. It looks kind of like a table. Um, but it's like all these guys are just raving about it. You suckers with your smartphones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Looks like that piece. Oh, cool. Okay. But it's supposed to be really, really great for your lower back, and this guy designed it that was an old bodybuilder, and he's like, nothing actually strengthens your lower back besides this machine. So it doesn't look like a medieval torture device or anything? Kind of, yeah. (laughs) It kind of does look like one. It does look like something. So so Ken Patera designed it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The backbreaker? (laughs) (laughs) Pull you apart. (laughs) All right, Tim, we'll probably need to take all of your day. you probably got other stuff to do. There is a game tonight, so we're we're like taking it. I know. It's been a while, so I got – this has been fun. It's always – take some different twists and turns. Oh, yeah. I'm disappointed – did uh, Jeff didn't kind of give a quick synopsis on the first Black Mirror episode? <laughs> no, we'll not. We, we want to retain our audience. <laughs> Where do you envision yourself? You watch the game tonight here. You get away from it. Do you still watch every game? Do you watch all these games? Or do you yeah, no, that's, yeah, for sure. It's it's this is great back to back home games. It's um, it's great days like today's great. You're able to hang out with the family. Also watch a lot of college basketball. You know, DVR a couple games and watch us play twice in two days. Um, you know, usually watch in the office. We have other games on. You can kind of. Um, you know, replay, see things, but it's it's really enjoyable to watch a, a game in a crowded Pepsi Center and, and feel the energy. And tonight should be really fun. Philadelphia's a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a nice victory last night. Um, you know, obviously didn't have Nicole last night. It, it'll be fun to see him uh, return and um, you Full, know, we're, we're fully rested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice rest. <laughs> and we're we're getting you know pretty close to being fully healthy. So it's it's an exciting time right now and. Hopefully we can kind of build off the, the win last night and, and have another win this evening versus Philadelphia. Yeah. You guys yeah. come to the game tonight? Uh, I will be here. Maybe be in attendance. Might be here. Yeah. I heard, think I heard something about they said it might be two for one beers tonight at Pepsi Center. Rosh's crowd tonight. <laughs> is, that, is that true? <laughs> two for one beers. I, I no, doubt. no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> that would be nice. You that couldn't pick be. a worse fan base for two for one <laughs> yeah, beers two in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ever want to see what two for one beers is like, Google Wing Bowl in Wing Philadelphia. Bowl. Oh, God. <laughs> have you, have you, have you yes. seen the videos of Wing Bowl? Yes, I have. That's in the bucket list. Oh, my God. Really? We should do a. Do you want to do should, that? Uh, we should podcast from wing bowl like 4 30 in the morning when they start to tailgate have you do you know what wing bowl is i have no idea no it's it's a it's wing bowl it's uh where the sixers play they have a wing eating competition but to even qualify you have to do something you have to eat a ton of wings and kind of do something kind of yeah ostentatious or kind of mm-hmm. wild to even be there and it's they sell out and it's it's pretty wild it sounds awesome i don't think my you know insides could take something like that but you know it's always worth a shot I just I respect anything that you start tailgating before the sun comes up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. St. Patrick's Day, right? Isn't that one of them? I tailgate for Kegs and eggs. Yeah. 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 St. Pat- St. Patrick's Day looks like a first communion party. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day is uh, high T compared high to Wing Bowl. That's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, we right. look forward to that. Maybe 2020, Tim Conley and Wing Bowl. <laughs> hey, <laughs> got trained for something, right? I, you know, I, I work <laughs> with a guy, uh, well, as a colleague in Miami, Adam Simon. He could be in Wing Bowl. And he and I have kind of both wing connoisseurs. We've mm-hmm. had wings in numerous countries all over the world. I've, I've tried to get him involved in <laughs> Wing Bowl, and he's, he's not buying it. Wings are in multiple countries. I would say yeah, that's just a, sure. such an indicative American thing was wings. And it I mean, we have the best wings, but no, we've I've had wings in a lot of places. Really? Yeah. Sometimes really bad orders. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Who's has who's has the worst wings? What country? <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, I don't know the worst. You know, the, the, the wings. It's hard to make dis- super disgusting wings if you grill them or fry them. They're fine, but you can get a really really bad burger in some some countries. Do you yeah. get a burger? It's, oh, yeah. It's a really poor order. Really. And when in doubt, just get a margarita pizza. Or pasta bolognese. It's, it's served in just about every every That's country it. in the world. You can find those two things. So, so when when you end up in Serbia, they serve the bolognese. Serbia has good, very good food. They have great grilled meats. Great. Yeah. Um, recently went to uh, Ogi's house. His uh, Ogi Stojakovic, one of our sister coaches. Mom and dad make great food. They have so Serbia has really good food. Uh, you know, grilled meats, great salads, great pastas. Um, heavy, but very good food. I've got to take one look at Jokic. You yes. know, they probably have pretty good food. I've got a great Ogi story, and it has to do with you. Remember when we went when I went to your house to watch the uh, game, one of the games of the Western Conference Finals, and you had him answer the door. That's <laughs> 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 the first time I'd ever been to Tim's house, and I knock or no, I'm wearing a doorbell. How he comes down? And sure that's the first the time I'd seen him. I think he'd, be, he'd be a very cool <laughs> podcast. He would be. That's actually, that's a great idea. He, he, we we brought him. He's a really bright basketball guy. We brought him over here, and the. Um, I'll ruin the details, but I think he was stamped as a Russian, not a Serbian. So try to explain to to immigration, like, I'm not Russian. I don't speak Russian. I've never been to Russia. Let me show you the map. It's ironic because he answered the door saying, he said, duh. Yeah. Oh, crap. I'm at the wrong house. He said, no, no, no. And I heard Tim cackling. When you have kids and social life is limited, you got little things. You got to find little things to make make you laugh. I was I was ready to turn around to leave. And he's like, no, 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 stop. All right. Speaking of leaving, let's get out of here. Tim, yeah, let's get out of here. Man. Thank you for joining us. The team has been Thanks, so fun man. to watch this season. Wish you guys nothing but the best going forward. Yeah, Thanks as always. It's always a good time talking to you guys, and um, you know, I can't believe it's been this many years knowing you guys. Yeah, no, it's been a long yeah, time. See you in a year and a half, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Good. All right, guys, we'll see you about a year and a half. Bye.